Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Minutes to nine, the time. Time for your mediated conversation tonight. So, as we wait for the State of the Nation address this evening from the President, what is the state of your nation and the state, really, I suppose, of your financial nation? By which I mean... How is your life? How difficult is it? How easy is it? How do you move around and get around and just survive from day to day? In my memory as an adult, from when I became an adult, and maybe in your memory too, it seemed there was a time when things were getting slightly easier, probably in the in the 2000s when our economy was growing. They seemed, from where we had come from, I think, for many people, most people, there was so much more opportunity. I think that was an important feeling. So much has changed since then. During the pandemic in particular, you could see how difficult life was for you and for people around you. And I think we felt, I certainly felt, and I remember talking to you about it, that at the time, the effects of the pandemic would be temporary. It hasn't been that, has it? Instead, it seems to me, it's very likely that in important ways, your life has probably become harder. Of course, it should not be like this forever. I can't tell you what will happen in the future, but things change, and hopefully soon, things somehow, maybe, will get better. But then, but until then, how do we assess the state of your nation through your lived financial experience. We thought it would be good to hear from you this morning. So at the end of your mediated conversation, we're going to ask you to join us as our final guest to tell us what you're struggling with financially at the moment. So you can call him Doon Sanza now. Book your spot for 10 to 9 this morning on 086-000-2032. Until then, two experts on the matter. Mervyn Abrahams runs the Peter Maritzburg Economic Dignity Group and Annaline van der Poel is from the organisation Debt Rescue. We start then with Mervyn Abrahams. Mervyn, good morning and thanks so much for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to all your listeners. If you look at the numbers, and you've been compiling numbers for quite a long time now, do they show that life is tougher than it was, say, 10 years ago? So, so Stephen, yes. What we have seen is a steadily increase in inflation over that period. In fact, when we look at certain foods like maize meal and bread, it has increased by more than 50% over the last four or five years, let alone the last 10 years. So, so we have seen food prices increase steadily. Uh, when we just look at in the short term, Stephen, um, you know, between October, November and December, uh, we saw a, a decrease, slight as it be, but it was a general trend of decreasing food prices. Uh, we expected that that would continue into 2024, but in January, our figures show that there has been a spike of 1.7% in the cost of the basket. Concerning is that all in all the metros, so Johannesburg, Etiquani, the city of Cape Town, everywhere the prices have increased. So that's of concern. It's not localized. Uh, and the other area of concern was that 29 out of the 44 foods showed an increase. Now, I, I do also need to say, Stephen, that one month does not make a trend. So, so, so because we saw a spike in January does not mean that this will continue into 2024, uh, but we are cautious. Uh, we do know that food commodity prices, so wheat prices and maize prices, they have come down steadily over last year. So there might be a bit of a respite 
down the line for consumers. Uh, but but in other areas, there would also be difficulties. So for instance, transport, uh, with fuel price increase, we could possibly see increases in there. And then of course, the electricity price coming in later on, a tariff increases of about 15%. So, so, so this all means that the consumer will remain under extreme stress as it is at the moment. I presume you could go back in the last few years, the last 10 years maybe, and see particular times. I mean, I would imagine during the pandemic, for everybody really, life got a lot tougher then. And you could probably see that quite clearly in the figures. Exactly, exactly. So we can see, I mean, the figures show, for instance, massive decline in in, 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 in employment during that period. A number of those jobs have not been regained yet. So a lot of people that were made unemployed during the pandemic are still unemployed. During the pandemic, food prices spiked uh, and settled at a very high level. Uh, and it hasn't yet come down to pre-pandemic levels. We don't expect it will. Uh, so, so yes, so the pandemic probably was one of the worst things that has hit uh, uh, us. But of course, it's not only in South Africa, it's a global phenomenon. Uh, but we, we particularly feel it in South Africa. It's interesting that it didn't get better after the pandemic. And I know there are all sorts of people you can blame. Some people will blame um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the situation in Gaza now, etc. I don't know how accurate that is. But I think and I worry that there's a sort of dashed expectation. There was a hope that things would get better. And it really didn't. So suddenly what started during the pandemic is our, our normal. Yes, exactly. And so what, what, what the trend of the pandemic has, in a sense, become a normal. Uh, and I think that perhaps our assessment of an event, a global event such as the COVID pandemic was perhaps too uh, idealistic. <laughs> that we, we expected that we would go back to exactly the same situation. Mm. Uh, so what has happened uh, is that it has increased globally uh, a cost of living because, you know, with the shipping and in a globalized economy, what happens in one part of the world impacts on another part of the world. So in a sense, for instance, global logistics, we are told, has still not totally recovered to pre-pandemic levels, let alone uh, uh, the issues in the Red Sea at the moment. So so perhaps in a way we were over, you know, we 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 were idealistic. Uh, and we should accept now that this is the normal and ask ourselves the question, what are we going to do with the current situation we have? Um, this, I'm presuming, has had a particular impact on children. I'm going to the generational aspect of this movement because I know, you know, at the dawn of democracy, around a third of our children were actually um, stunted, weren't getting enough food as they were growing. And we sp it took a long time, but that number was coming down a little bit to, I think, around 20%. Um, I'm off the top of my head now. Um, and I wonder if during the pandemic that figure has started to go up again. And that means that what's happening now is going to have an impact on, on a generation that's not yet fully grown. Exactly, Stephen. And perhaps that is one area of our greatest concern as the Peter Marisburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. So stunting levels at the moment for boys under 30 is at, uh, sorry, under five years old are at 30 percent uh, and for girls under five years old at 25 percent. So that is uh, it is phenomenal. Because what that actually means is that about 30% of our workforce 30 years from now will be stunted. Uh, 
through no fault of their own, not being able to take part in the global economy, not be able to take part in, 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 in the way that, that the economy will move. Uh, so really the area that we are particularly concerned with in this current SONA and in the budget that follows it is that we begin to get that right. And uh, there are two things we would like to see. The first is that at, at the very minimum that we increase the child support grant to the level of the food poverty line so that at least we can feed our children good nutritional meals. That is critically important for our future because otherwise we will get trapped in this poverty cycle where the children today are stunted, they grow into becoming workers, they will earn very little, too little to feed their children a nutritional meal, and then the poverty cycles will just continue and continue. So that's the one area. And then the second area for households, Stephen, that our expectation is that households are embedded in the general economy. So what we would like to see from the SONA, but also from the budget, is that uh, greater focus is placed on economic growth. And there are, there are areas with low-hanging fruit. So can we sort out our ports? Can we sort out ESCOM? And can we sort out Transnet? If we can do that, we can facilitate greater economic activity, which will probably lead to greater job creation, but also to greater revenue for the state, where the state can, in fact, begin to support other areas of socioeconomic and health outcomes. Mervyn, thank you very much indeed. Mervyn Abrahams is the Programme Coordinator at the Peter Maritzburg Economic Justice and Dignity Group. Interesting to hear from him on this year with SFM. 17 minutes to nine. The state of your financial nation is our topic. Your finances at the moment. Good to hear from you. 86 In about seven minutes from now, we'll hear already David in KZN, Martin in East London, ATM and Peter Maritzburg Bond uh, already on the line. But you still have a chance to take part in this conversation. And Aline Pool is a debt rescue uh, expert. She's a debt rescue and a debt specialist at debt rescue, I should say. Annalene, good morning. Thank you for your time. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning to your listeners. How have the levels of debt that people face changed? I'm presuming that over the last, say, five years, levels of debt, despite changes to the law, despite other things, levels of debt may have increased? Absolutely. And, and you know, there's obviously, I mean, Mr. Abrams, uh, you know, the, the, the group does amazing work in terms of giving us the true uh, experience of, of consumers on the ground. Um, but what has happened is, is obviously during the pandemic uh, period, we saw a massive reduction in interest rates, obviously to stimulate the growth, economic growth, etc. But a lot of consumers entered into debt in, during that period, um, especially on assets, for example. Um, and, and not factoring in what was going to come, which was, you know, massive interest rate hikes and what that did to their debt repayments. So um, it, it's a, it's, there's, there's a lot of legislation, there's a lot of requirements and, and to the greater absolute majority degree, um, that is all being adhered to. However, consumers' um, budgets did not foresee massive interest rate hikes um, affecting their, their debt repayment element. And then, of course, the, the interest rate hikes were because of inflation, which meant that the expense section of, of our budget was severely affected as well. So, um, you know, for us as average consumers, we, we put our budget into three columns, income, expenses and debt. Expenses and debt went up and, and income probably remained as close as possible to, to the same. So very, very difficult um, position we're finding ourselves in. Uh, can, can we say that uh, debt rose during the pandemic? 
Um, I think we, we, we probably saw that there were a lot of emergency um, situations where consumers were, I mean, from our observation, a lot of consumers were obviously um, either not being paid completely, in other words, no work, no pay, or were being put on some form of short time or, um, you know, got partial salaries, etc. And, and um, debt repayments were still due. So a lot of people turned to emergency forms of, of credit, um, turning to credit cards, loans, etc., just to be able to to cover the, the expenses that, that they weren't able to do um, because they had lack of income. And what are people spending the money they borrow on? People aren't borrowing money because they want to. Nobody does that. They're borrowing money because they have to. Absolutely. Um, and, and we can see this from the surveys that we do. Um, we, we do a couple of surveys, uh, you know, uh, during the year on, on, on different um, areas of expenditure. And um, what we've what we've done is, over, uh, for example, the festive season and, and the, the Black Friday um, period of time, where obviously there's a lot of specials that, that will happen. We ask consumers, what are your intentions? What, what do you plan on buying? And would you use credit? And um, it's come back that the consumers intend on buying household goods and meaning and referring specifically to foodstuffs. So consumers are turning to credit and then they've said that they were 60 percent have told us that they will turn to credit if the special is good enough. So they are actually using credit to literally put food on the table um, to make sure that um, they, they are able to afford it. And, and still feed their families. And, and sadly, what we've seen a significant increase in is as payday, what we refer to as payday loans. Um, one of our major banks have confirmed that they, they're seeing the same. Um, and that is five days after payday, there's no money left in the bank account. So that means there's 25 days before the next payday. Um, and, and consumers are having to turn to credit to literally pay the rest of their, their bills, their electricity, their transport, their food, etc. You get to a point where you have no other option but to survive for the next uh, 25 days. I'm going to have to do this. Um, Are we looking at a point where people just can't repay the debt? This picture, and it's been like this for a while, but it's been getting worse, is not sustainable. At some point, something's going to fall over, you know, not quite using proper words. But at some point, it's going to end. It's going to it's going to end badly. It is indeed, and and um, we we understand obviously the, the stance that the Reserve Bank has, for example, with in, increasing the interest rates. We know why it gets done, um, and and there's a lot of factors that that affect um, inflation. You know, we, we've got we've got the global factors, we've got our, our domestic factors, um, but unfortunately for us as consumers. All that means to us is petrol goes up, it means transport goes up of goods, it means it impacts our, our, our budgets um, because the stuff we buy gets more expensive, uh, the fuel we have to um, put in our cars, etc. Many, many, many consumers, I mean, we're looking at almost 40% of consumers have defaulted on their accounts. That's that what's becoming very concerning is the statistics we're getting from the credit providers saying that consumers are defaulting on assets. When consumers, usually they'll default, default more on an unsecured debt because there's a lesser risk of, of, of repercussions that are tangible. Um, but if you start defaulting on a home, uh, on a vehicle, that is something that can be taken back. And if consumers are being pushed to, to the edge where they're starting to default on assets, that should be a very big indicator of how tough things are out there. People are likely to want to make it harder to borrow or make it harder to borrow too easily. I realize that doesn't make any sense, but um, they will say it's too easy to get money on credit. Is there anything in that? I mean, it's easy to blame the person you're borrowing from when you're in a position where you, you just have to borrow. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, part, part of the legislation, uh, you know, the National Credit Act makes, you know, very clear, has very clear um, guidelines and, and rules in terms of 
um, assessment, affordability assessments, etc. And from a credit provider's perspective, also they, they would want to try and ensure that you know they, they, they don't take on a client who is high risk and might not repay the loan. So um, we've got staggering percentage of, of loans um, and credit agreements uh, applications that do get rejected monthly. Um, so yes, it, it, it's becoming more difficult to borrow because technically credit providers have to work within the legislation and and um you know they 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 can't grant new credit if you cannot afford to repay it because then it will be reckless but um unfortunately what consumers are turning to then is where they might have existing facilities like credit cards store cards etc that they would turn to using that then to to fund the groceries to to put fuel in the car etc because that's the lifeline they still have available um just purely because things are just so incredibly tough out there Annalene van der Poel, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Debt specialist at Debt Rescue. All right.